What kind of monster are you is intended for a mature audience? Topics may include fart jokes, violence, idiotic ramblings about a thing I'm pretty sure I read somewhere, edgy drive time adjacent comedy, white privilege, inside jokes that we aren't going to take the time to explain, millennial bullshit, mispronunciations, misspellings, and body horror. God, so much body horror. I'm not even sure we realize we're doing it anymore. It, it just kind of happens. I'm sorry. Just, just play the music. You say you've changed for the better, and I am here to call your blood. Welcome to What Kind of Monster Are You? It's a show about bad decisions and the friends made along the way. I'm Gavin. I belong in hamster wheel, Joe Davis. I'm Cecily. And, well, that's it this week. Oh, no. It's it's just, it's a a thruple. It's a thruple this week. Yeah, we're we're getting on the latest trends. Yes, everybody wants to be in a three. Power thruple. Yes. Power thruple. Chris and Drew are both at Dragon Con this week. What we do have, though, is a special episode, and you guys listening have read the title is cash rack what's that cash rack my friends is a podcast within a podcast about movies that were cash grabs and train wrecks this one might not necessarily fall into the cash grab spot but you'll see where that comes along later in the episode this week we're gonna be doing everyone's favorite spooky family Ooh. da 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 i'm gonna insert snaps there because i can't snap i got you hold on do it again but da 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 the Adams family. <laughs> Yay. Joe and I were just talking about the Adams family today. Ironically. Really? Yeah, we were uh I was gonna be thinking about being Pugsley. Yeah, we were discussing Halloween costumes. Oh cool. Yeah, and she was gonna be Wednesday. What was tell me, what was your first experience with the family? I had to be, I mean, when I was young, pretty fairly young. Was it um, was it the movie? Yeah, the movie. Was there a cartoon series? There was. Okay. Okay, I just want to make sure that I didn't fever dream that because I didn't see it in any of the. I remembered it happening, but I didn't see it on any. Of I that. could be confusing it with Beetlejuice, but I'm fairly certain that there was a animated series. Well, I didn't deep. I didn't deep deep dive too hard. I have full faith in your abilities, Kevin. <laughs> I have to kind of be. I've seen like there's a there's sequels to this, right? What's that? Adam's Family. Yeah. Yeah, there's Adam's Family values. They didn't do a third one though. Oh, yes. Okay, so what does Wednesday do in this one? That usually helps me pinpoint what happens in this. The first one, she went to camp, right? Is this the camp one? And, like, they go... One of them, they go to camp, and then the other one, Uncle Fester, comes back as a gimmick. So Uncle Fester comes back trying to get Gomez Adams' money. Yes. And um, Uncle Fester comes back is... Is the first Adams family? Yes. The camp is the second Adams oh, family, which is man. the one I've seen the least of. I've really, seen... I've seen the second one the most. The second one's really good. I Probably like, even better than the first. I like one. the second one most. Well, we'll have to go back and watch it because it's it's been a while. But yeah. I recently, actually, ironically, did just watch this first one again. All right. So the Adams family started off in 1938 as wow. a cartoon in the New Yorker. It was turned into a television series by ABC and land that lasted for about two seasons, and that's Wait. probably. 
It was a cartoon strip? Yeah, it was a cartoon strip, kind of like- Oh um, my goodness. Yeah, a lot like Family Circus or something. Oh my goodness. I wonder if there's a book on that. Like, you know- That has all the cartoons? mm -hmm. I'm sure I can find it. Yeah. So they uh, turned that into a TV series. It ran for two two seasons on ABC in the mid-60s, 64, 65. And then that was it. It was kind of mothballed, put away. Yeah. And that was until the 1990s, a Fox executive- by the name of Scott Rudin, approached the network executives with an idea for an Adams Family movie. This is about the time that Tim Burton was starting to take off yeah. Yeah. with all of his visuals and stuff. So Edward spook- spooky stuff was... Yeah, spooky stuff was in, and Adams Family had that aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, so Rudin approached Fox executives, but there was a problem. Fox didn't own the rights to the Adams Family. Orion Pictures did. Orion Pictures had purchased the rights when they bought the whole catalog from a company called Filmway. Okay. So when Fox approached Orion about putting together this movie, Orion actually said, no, we're planning on doing a TV series instead. And they were kind of in dire straits at that point. Orion, uh, you might remember from the backside of such uh, 90s classics as Dances with Wolves. Let's see. Oh, I have a whole list here. Hold on. Is it called Orion Pictures? Yeah. Okay. Ooh, we got some Chucky in here and RoboCop. Is that correct? They had... Robocop, Caddyshack, Amadeus, Platoon, a lot of lot of really good movies, but a lot of misses. But we'll get we'll get to all that stuff later because it actually plays in to where we're going. So Orion was a no go. Furthermore, Charles Adams' widow, Charles Adams, the writer of the the comic, yeah, uh, was also holding out because she owned a piece of the rights as well. Well, Orion was eventually able to convince her to sell. At about this time, Scott Rudin had actually left Fox. I was now working with Orion. Oh, wow. So Orion, so Rudin was put on the picture. I was able to convince them to make it a movie and put on the picture. Now, when you guys think of Adam's family, who's the director you think of? Tim, Tim Burton. Burton. Uh, unfortunately, Tim Burton was too busy directing his magnum opus, Batman Returns, at the time. Oh. So he wasn't going to be able to do the movie. Yeah. So they approached uh, Terry Gillum. Terry Gillum is the writer and director for all of the um, Holy Grail stuff, the Monty Python stuff. Yeah. He wasn't interested for one reason or another. Uh, but Scott Rudin had decided that the art itself was really important to the movie. Mm-hmm. So he decided he was going to go with someone who was good with cinematography instead, since he couldn't really get a, a director attached to it. So that's where he got Barry Sonnenfeld. So Barry Sonnenfeld was a director of photography who was already known for movies like Big. Mm-hmm. Uh, he Ooh. did he did Misery, uh, Raising Arizona, as well as the other first two Coen Brothers movies, and actually had done uh, Harry Met Sally as well. Oh, he did a lot of movies that I've seen. Mm-hmm. This is actually a, a bit of a pet project for, for Sonnenfeld as well, because he'd grown up reading the Adam's Family, Family stuff. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, so when he, when he came in, kind of felt that like it had too much of a sitcom-y take, and he wanted to take it kind of the more, a little darker, more like straight ahead style of uh, delivery. Yeah. He felt that the art was going to have to really carry it, and he wanted people to come in who, he, he always felt that Morticia and Gomez had like this love for life, how nothing could ever get them down. So even though the studio, Orion, really wanted to go with Cher as Morticia, yeah. which aesthetically would have been a really good choice, yeah. for sure. Uh, Soenfeld really pushed for Angelica, or, I'm sorry, Angelica Houston, who ended up being more Morticia Adams in the movie. They were also able to get uh, Raul Julia attached to it, and Christopher Lloyd as Fester, and Christina Ricci, obviously, as Wednesday. This kind of family dynamic, these people who wanted to do the thing and wanted to be what was good, actually ended up working out to Soenfeld's credit because at the very first rehearsal fester at this point in the script was supposed to be was actually they you weren't supposed to know if he was actually uncle fester 
Yeah. Or if he was a scammer the whole time. Like that was never supposed to be revealed what was going on. Yeah. But at the very first rehearsal, um, Raul Julia, famed Hollywood actor for the Golden Age, Angelica Houston, multi, <laughs> multi-time nominated actress, convinced Christina Ricci to speak to Sodenfeld for them to pitch him on the idea that Uncle Fester shouldn't be an imposter. Wait, what? At all. Christina Ricci was like a child. So Christina Ricci <laughs> as a 10-year-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So exactly, yeah. So Raul Julia and Angela Houston went up, convinced Christina Ricci to be their spokesperson. And she gave this like impassioned plea how he just needed to be... He, he needed to be like normal Uncle Fester, not not an imposter, so they could have that rap. So they actually ended up rewriting that part of the script. Yeah, imagine. I can't even imagine. Well, I mean, and so the dynamic of that is still in the film, but they add so much to the picture of like him sinking to his bed and feeling mm-hmm. feeling like home and knowing how to dance the manushka, like so many different things in the movie that really connected them as actual brothers. Right. Right. Which, and I think it was done really well because at the beginning of the film, you really aren't sure. I remember like, it's been, it's been a long time since I actually seen the movie, but I remember like as a kid being like, what is, is he, is he not? I don't remember ever getting that closure on it. Well, I mean, it really starts to click to me because at one part, one part in the movie, they pull a chain and they go down the slide into like the bowels of their house. And as they're down there, they like are reminiscing on stuff of their past. Mm-hmm. And it starts to really like, oh, he really could be Fesser. And I'm glad he was. I think it really was a nice. I lost track of my. <laughs> it was, <laughs> yeah, it really was nice that they that they gave that kind of closure to it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, on on that note, Crystal Lloyd. You know, the guy who played Fester? Yeah. Sure. He didn't give a damn which way they went with it, yeah. to be honest. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> he was getting paid either way. Yeah, he was getting paid either way. I wonder if he enjoyed that. He's a, He was one of those guys that's always, like, the most random person. Like, he, like... Like, like taking those random roles and yeah, doing and that like, type of stuff? Yeah. He always... Tra- he's a very transformative actor. Was he the villain in Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah, he, he was the villain who framed. See, that's what I mean. Yeah. He's really good with transforming himself. You don't even know it's him. And being like goofy, but not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like at the same time, that's yeah. like definitive Christopher Lloyd. Well, he yeah. was also the villain in um, one of my childhood favorite movies, Dennis the Menace. He was the kidnapper. Oh, he was. I just remember that movie existed. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and like I think I just remember uh, uh, what's old guy. Played Mr. Wilson. I can't remember oh, yeah, his name. that guy. Yep. Yeah. I don't know his name. <laughs> we just know. Whoops. <laughs> Drop the ball there. It's okay. I didn't I didn't I didn't branch out to Dennis the Menace research. <laughs> I didn't think you would, yeah. but if we would have walked in tonight and we were doing a cash rack on Dennis the Menace, I would have probably been like, well. Well, I guess we're doing it. <laughs> so, Solenfeld, even though he had all this uh, director of photography experience, yeah. he was brand new. To directing. This was going to be his first major, his first film directing. But fortunately, Orion was known for being really good with new directors yeah. and encouraging and patient with them. So when all these changes happened, when he wanted to do Angelica Houston, when the actors, as he as he put it, rebelled during rehearsals so that they would change, so they would change faster. The studio was all cool with it. It let him go about what he was doing. 
even though at a certain point he said he lost 13 pounds during the first 10 weeks Holy just from how stressed out he was. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And uh, there was one point three weeks into shooting where, and this is, a, this is a direct quote from an interview he did with Empire 91. I was standing there behind a chair when I started to feel this tremendous pressure on my chest. It's as if somebody was blowing up a balloon inside of me. Before I knew what was happening, I got very dizzy. I got tired and I had to sit down. Wham, I passed out. The director of this movie, just a few weeks into filming, had passed out on set during the middle of the shoot. Jeez Louise. I thought you were going to say he died, and that would have been really weird. That would have been. And weirdly appropriate <laughs> at the same time. I'm not new for this podcast. <laughs> uh, but, so he, he, he passed out, but he was fine, and he actually begged Rudin, uh, the producer Rudin, to let him get back to work. And so actually, they... They were back to filming before the day even ended. Oh, wow. He said, uh, he said to Rudin, if we have to stop every time I faint or start to cry, we're never going to get this thing finished. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, though, there would, be more, there would be more problems along the way. Okay. So this thing actually kind of became like racked with issues. Uh, so first, after, after all the passing out stuff, 20 weeks into filming, uh, their director of photography, Owen Rosman, who did French Connection, Exorcist, Tootsie, like this thing, this movie was stacked up yeah. and down the line with with people. Uh, he quit so that he could go do a movie called Grand Canyon. Oh, no. Never even heard of it. Never heard of it. Uh, that so, was a bad idea. That was kind of a bad idea. Well, I mean, this was... Uh, he did Grand Canyon and did one more movie, Wyatt Earp, before eventually kind of stopping to do... Mm. St- stopping the whole thing. The role was taken over by Gail Tattersall. Uh, Gail Tattersall, you might know from Tank Girl. Thur one three in ghosts. I'm sorry, thirteen ghosts. What? And one hundred and eighteen episodes of House. Oh nice. my goodness! <laughs> Those are the highlights. Uh, but Tattersall actually, oddly, Roseman would end up getting the DP credit on the movie, even though he left only twenty weeks in. Yeah. And Tattersall would end up not being credited on the movie. Oh, what? Because Tattersall, only a few weeks into the role, had to be rushed to the hospital and would no longer be on. On the film. Oh, wow. So now all of a sudden, first time director, guy who is so nervous he's passing out in the middle of the, in the middle of shooting. Yeah. Has to be director of photography and the director. Oh, my goodness. On his first major Movie. film. Fortunately, oh. it was still cool, though. Orion was cool. Orion understood the problems. They just wanted to make sure a good movie came out of it. So Raul Julia now has a burst blood vessel in his eye. Of course he does. And now he's going to be missing several weeks of shooting. What? For his eye to heal. For his eye to heal. What happened? Uh, no, f- couldn't find any further details Aww. on that one. Unfortunately, it's it's tough to, to track down the medical records on some of these people. Sometimes you know. Very aggressive pooping. <laughs> it's <laughs> usually what gets me. That's like number one on the board. So. Yeah. Well, he could have gotten like maybe his dog got too excited and scratched his eye. Would that be- do that? No, 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 no. I wish. So, like, how noticeable is that in a black and white film? Is that really noticeable? Well, it wasn't black and white. It was, it was just black dark. And white. Yeah, it was just dark colors all the way through. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, they, they simulated the black and white through that. Sometimes the show gets meshed with my brain when it comes to Adam's family. Oh, yeah. Like it's, like, all, like, yeah. we're... Well, <laughs> that was a big thing, like, in the, in the script writing. He wanted to make sure he differentiated it from the sitcom and the first few rights he thought had was were kind of too sitcommy. He wanted to bring it back mm, to that yes. original cartoon. I'm gonna have to find this. 
why Raul Julia's eye no. exploded. No. All the comic book reels. Uh, so shortly after that, Julia gets back. Shooting is resumed. Uh, and now, uh, Sonnenfeld's wife, who lived in New York, and they're shooting out in L.A., she got sick, and he had to go back to New York to take care of her for a couple of weeks. The director? Yeah. Oh, my Whoa. goodness. So everything was shelved again. So during this time, Orion was starting was starting to really feel the weight of their financial troubles. Yeah. So to give a little background on this, when Orion was formed, they would put out movies like we we mentioned Caddyshack that had distribution deals for stuff like Platoon, Robocop, Hoosiers, Amadeus. They were involved in a lot of stuff. Up to 1981, only one third of their movies had made a profit at the box office. Oh, wow. Then in 1989, they put out Great Balls of Fire, <laughs> She Devil, and UHF. And they came in dead last in studio earnings. Oh, Wolf. no. So now this movie studio, who had plenty of successes and plenty of strikeouts, was kind of on their last legs. That year, they would release Dances with Wolves and Silence of the Lambs. But those weren't quite enough to keep it afloat. And as it as it turned out, the only thing they really had of any worth was the Adams Family. Yeah. So they sold it. Oh, wonderful. In the middle of production, Orion Pictures <laughs> decided to sell The Addams Family because it was either that or another movie which they were anticipating would be huge at the box office, but wasn't coming out until later in December, Hook. Oh, wait, who made Hook? Orion. Oh, dang. That was like probably their one and only, huh? They were they were they were hoping it was their one on only, but they were hoping it was gonna be the thing that put them over the edge that year. Yeah. I'm sure it was. So editor for the movie, Dee Dee Allen, put together a ten minute showreel that Rudin and Suddenfield shopped around to studios. Paramount and it doesn't I I couldn't find a title for the guy at the time, but uh, Frank Mancuso Jr. bought the property for Paramount based on the strength of that showreel. He was fired shortly after that. So Saldenfield took the showreel and showed it to Paramount president Steve Jaffe. Jaffe, after the film was aired, said, quote, This movie is uncuttable and unreleasable. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> so now they'd gone from a super permissive studio who was, and it wasn't like they were like grossly over budget or anything. The budget for this movie was initially $25 million. Yeah. By the time they finished, they had only spent $30 million. So they'd gone over by $5 million, and that was all because of script changes that were made afterwards. Yeah. See, Uncle Fester is now really Uncle Fester, for sure. But, uh, but Paramount still was uh, was pushing them everywhere they possibly could because they did not believe in the project. Sonfeld said even uh, the studio even took away the bottled water from the set. Jeez Louise. And it wasn't, a, and it wasn't an environmental waste thing either. Wait, it, what? it was a budget cut. <laughs> yeah, their budget got cut so hard. Oh wow, that's crazy. They yeah. had to bring their own water, I guess. Yeah, they didn't even uh, drink from the hose, I guess. <laughs> like, just fill up a big pool at the start of the day and give everyone a straw. I feel like I'm looking <clears throat> at Orion Pictures and I don't see Hook at all, but I see a lot of really good movies. I don't know if Hook was a distribution deal for them. But that was that was what was quoted as being the movie. By the way, primary source for this. And primary source, really, for the Wikipedia, it seems, is an interview with Simon Brew of Den of Geek uh, from 2014. And then I also have mixed in here 2012 article, our interview with Sonnenfeld for Vulture, and a variety interview from 2021, where he goes into a little bit more details. Cool. So now they've wrapped. 
Everything. They finished the movie. So they were able to finish. So they're able to finish the movie, and they've wrapped. The problem though is that this movie is being released kind of in the height of the focus group era. Do you guys remember those? Yes, I know what a focus group is. Cecily, Cecily, the marketing, <laughs> the marketing lady doesn't know what a focus group is. Joe gave me a blank look. A focus group essentially was a thing that they did. They did in the eighties and nineties, early two thousands, a whole lot, uh, where they would just go to a mall somewhere yeah. in L.A. A mall was an indoor structure where stores sold goods all physically in the same place? to people. Yeah. All, it was like all the same place. There was like a hundred something stores, and yeah. like a couple levels normally, fake plants, piano, waterfall. Food? Or, or Julius. Yeah, some food, oh. like a Sabaro, uh, Panda Express. Subway sometimes? Subway sometimes. Yeah. It really depends on which one you went to. Huh. Sometimes there was a Quiznos. Oh, yeah. Quiznos is good. Yeah, it was Quiznos a couple times. You might you know, get... Why don't people do that anymore? That's a good question. Why don't people go outside to spend money anymore? Yeah. Oh, boy. We all miss malls, oh, don't oh, we? Oh, I know why. Influencers. <laughs> so, focus groups, malls. Yes. They would gather a bunch of people. Showing it. And then show show the movie. They'd come out and they'd say, what were your thoughts on this? And then they would take that feedback as gospel and then make changes to the movie, the product, the album, whatever it was, was completely influenced by this group of 200-something people. Interesting. Yeah, it's like a survey. Seems like a really good way to gather information. The studio was already pretty nervous nervous about the whole thing, just because Adam's Family wasn't really all that well-known outside of the, the people who remember the cartoon, the comic strip, or the people who saw the TV show back in the day. And since it was only two seasons, it never went into syndication, unlike the Munsters. Yeah. The Munsters would have been a stronger property as far as the studio is concerned. But nobody had really been able to, just like today, nobody could really adapt a TV show into a movie. Yeah. And they just weren't, weren't confident in it whatsoever. Uh, so on the guidance of these focus groups... The dance. Say the, say the name of the dance again, Joe. The Mamushka. The Mamushka <laughs> was actually a much longer part of the original movie. Really? Uh, I wonder if there's a director's cut. There may be a director's cut, but it was <laughs> they just took the axe to that whole scene. Yeah. Because people people in the focus group uh, thought it was a showstopper. Oh, no. I really like that part. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I'm going to have to refresh the well, Mamushka. It's, well, the part of the dance was... All right, is he going to be able to do it or not? Because mm-hmm. it was a family yeah, dance. I yeah, I remember. And it really was like, ooh, if he can't do this dance, he's not Uncle Fester. And he did it. And it was great. So that happened. We get the director's cut. He shows it to, he shows it to the execs of Paramount. Uh, and according to, his, according to his recollection, there were absolutely no laughs in the theater. Oh, no. Oh, no. So, so he walks out. He's like, this is fucked. They're going to can this whole thing. He's called back into a meeting about 20 minutes later. Absent from this meeting is studio president Stanley Stanley Jaffe. So he walks in and all of a sudden, like the room applauds and people are hugging him. And he's like, what's going on? There was like nothing going on in that theater. And one of the executives told him Stanley wasn't laughing. Nobody could laugh. So just because just because the Paramount president didn't like the movie, the rest of the executives had to pretend like they didn't didn't enjoy it. Oh, I hate that shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it came out. Uh, it was a success, even though uh, Rotten Tomatoes has it at a sixty five percent positive rating with a five point eight overall. Metacritic has a fifty seven percent overall rating huh. uh, from from reviewers at the time, and that was 
generally what it was. Like everyone thought it was okay, too campy. No one really thought it'd do anything. Well, it ended up making $191 million at the box office that year. Worldwide. Wozers. Its domestic box office was enough to put it eighth for the year. Oh, wow. And overall ended up outdoing Hook by just a little tiny bit. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. It's crazy. Dang, just a little tiny bit. No, I like the movie. Um, I watch it every year. For... I have to say the second one is still my favorite. I, like I said, I feel like I haven't seen that one enough. Well, we're going to watch it. <laughs> going to have to watch it now. Uh, for a quick little epilogue on this, uh, shortly after the release, even with all the wrangling they had done early on to get rights, a producer for the television show, David Levy, or Levy, uh, Levi, <laughs> claimed, claimed to have ownership of uh, several of the trademarks that were played on in the movie that he said belonged to the TV show. Uh, but Paramount, instead of fighting it, just went ahead and settled with him because yeah. they had already had Adam's Family Values in the works yeah, mm. based just on the initial showing from the for the movie. Then even more stuff happened because of the fun little uh, sales they did in the middle of the movie. This is all straight from uh, from the Den of the Geek Den of Geek article. Paramount bought it from Orion. Turned out they didn't get the full foreign distribution rights, which were held by MGM. MGM titles are distributed in some territories by Fox. All these comp- all these complicated things meant essentially the movie wasn't available on DVD outside of the U.S. and the U.K. until 2013. Oh wow. Even though it was sold in a DVD in a VHS double pack with oh crap Wayne's World two was <laughs> wait it? what yeah 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 Adam's family Adam's family was sold in a double pack VHS double pack with Wayne's World to coincide with the release of Wayne's World two and Adam's Family Values that oh because it's like they're both sequels right that yeah. is so funny nice. I would have bought that VHS pack that would have been a great VHS pack right. All right, well, and that's the that's the story of Adam's family, dude. That's really cool. A lot of information there that I didn't know. When I we're gonna watch them both tomorrow, so. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, how about this? You guys want to watch them tomorrow and then do like a recap of yeah. the movie? What you guys thought of it? Maybe a thoughts you noticed where the changes happened. Yeah. And stuff. Maybe the if you change of the yeah. Maybe see if you could figure out exactly when they switched production companies <laughs> yeah. and they stopped having bottled water on set. <laughs> I will let you know. Uh, for for all their efforts, by the way, um, Houston Angelica Houston was nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Actress in the Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy category. Uh, the film was nominated for an Academy Award for Costume and won a Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Original Song. It's uh, Adam's Groove by MC Hammer. A Raspberry Award. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a bad, bad one. That's funny. <laughs> I didn't know that was an award. <laughs> well, yeah. And do they still have that award? <laughs> I think so. Right? I think the Golden Raspberries exist I'm still. There's one. I can't remember exactly what it's called, though. But uh, the film would uh, would also win Favorite Movie at the 92 Kids' Choice Awards. Oh, nice. Wrapping up. It's illustrious. Oh, yay. Of course. Get that Christina Ricci on the, rap, on the map. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Jared Leto got a Golden Raspberry Award. Oh, one of those my Joker roles. goodness. There's some really funny ones. Um, the new Spice Space Jam got a few. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I watched the first 15 minutes of it and I was like, I'm not going to watch this. This new Space Jam should probably be like, I don't, it's probably too new and LeBron James is too rich for the stories to be out yet, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. They got three. 
Do you want to see? Do you want to know what they are? Sure. Space Jam did. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Worst actor, LeBron James. Yeah. 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 Buy it. Yeah. Okay. No. Worst screen combo. Uh, I don't know what that means. Uh, worst prequel remake ripoff or whatever. Did they say who the worst screen combo went to? It said LeBron James again. Oh, LeBron. so it was just LeBron James and literally anybody who was on screen with him? <laughs> I <laughs> guess so. <laughs> oh, no. I didn't know what he that meant. Get worst actor. <laughs> That's so sad. It's either that or him and Bugs Bunny, right? <laughs> yeah, well. That's like a double hit. Bugs Bunny is I know, an right? amazing actor. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> That's shows you how bad LeBron James is if even Bugs Bunny can't pull him. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I know. So, yeah, you guys go watch the movie. Can do. A new refresher, yeah. And then we'll get back up. We'll do our, now that we know the things, how do we feel about the thing? Thing. Yeah. Either that or this segment will be you and Chris yelling about how awesome Comic-Con, or Dragon Kong was. <laughs> okay. It'll be one of those two things. I see you got notes. Were you taking live notes? Yeah, as I was watching. Okay. Yeah. So uh, first, how, how you feel? Let me just start off by saying yeah. that the Adams family is a cinematic masterpiece. It's beautiful. The cast is perfect. Yes. Like I, I mean, I went on, I went into watching this movie mm-hmm. after not seeing it for a while. Yeah. I usually watch it about once a year, and um, going into it knowing the stuff we learned, uh, it really gave me. An opportunity to appreciate it in a different light. And I just thought it was fantastic. The only part that really did let me down was the mamushka. Even with the edit that they did, uh-huh. it did feel too long. Still. Oh no, it got like, into your head. Uh, yeah, it did. So, yeah. Oh no. I, I like I love that scene. And yeah. it's one of the scenes that sticks. You know, it's like because it's a joke with me and some of my friends that we dance the mamushka anytime we see each other. Uh-huh. And now I'm like, oh my god, that scene really did drag out, and it was just kind of obscure. And the whole theme of the movie, it was the like sore thumb, the big thing that stood out. Oh, really? Yeah, out of yeah. the whole movie. And then the other thing I noticed was after that, that's when I feel like you it, think, it changed. You think like right after they like film Mabushka, and then like right after that was when they sold it? I do. Because that's when all of the changes in my mind start to happen, where they really start to hammer down that Uncle Fester is the real Uncle Fester. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, maybe not the point well, where they sold it. I said in here halfway through, Fester is realizing that he's actually Fester. He like gets that's fe- the turn. Okay. Yeah. Well, he realizes that he actually could be Uncle Fester. Yeah. He didn't realize he was Uncle Fester until he got struck by lightning when they opened the book. Yeah. The 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 tropical storm. Yeah, I'm gonna talk about those books. Well, let's let's go. I want to hear. I want to hear Cecily's mind minute by minute. Well, okay. So it, I don't have that many things. So Joe and I, when we first started watching the movie, we were like, "Is this a Christmas movie?" Because they start with Carols. carolers. At the house. Oh, yeah. The, the movie starts off, and there are Christmas carolers standing in front of the house, and what seems to be a vat of acid is dumped on top of the carolers. <laughs> yeah. And then it goes in the da 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 da. Yeah. Like, it's really funny. And then I think Joe and I's favorite part was the bloody 
sword fight play. Yes. Because that was like ridiculous. <laughs> there was a scene in the movie where they're, it's all the elementary school children and they're singing a song and it's just grueling. Yeah. And, and then oh, I think this does take place in December. Okay. So like I so think it's a, it, so it's a Christmas movie. It is. I think it is. Adam's family best Christmas movie because at the end it's it, they have Halloween and it says seven months later. Okay, so yeah, it is a Christmas movie. Yep. Yeah. Well, or March movie. It takes place over a long period of time. It would seem. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I did the math after I after I said the words. Yeah. No one's counting at home. That's nah, fine. Um, but the children, Wednesday and Pugsley, they come out and they do Shakespeare. And they had been talking with Uncle Fester, and Uncle Fester had been teaching them about the major arteries. And they put fake major arteries all over them. And when they slice each other during Shakespeare, fake blood sprays out <laughs> all over the crowd. And I was like, God, this is this is great. It's like Little Shop of Horrors. Or no, I'm sorry. Um, it's like uh, Sleepy. No. Oh my goodness. Sleepy Hollow. No, it's not Sleepy Hollow. Um, the Sweeney Todd. It's the Sweeney. Oh, it's very Sweeney Toddy. Okay. <laughs> very bl- blood spurt. I was like, the one with the thing, and it, it looks like it looks like a like the movie. Oh, come on, you know, with the guy for the pirate thing. Uh, I was just about to belt out a song. <laughs> I was gonna be pretty women. I still would not have any clue what Joe the hell you're known. talking about. Joe would have known. And what else was I going to say? Oh, yeah. I feel like the whole thing, I kind of want to say that Casper got inspiration from this. And Casper is a Universal Studios movie, so okay. it's not connected. I mean, well, I can see influence there. But yeah, it seems sure. like it was influenced. Just the way the lighting was and the slight campiness of it. It was like perfectly campy. Well, and Christina Ricci. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's in both. Um, okay. when, did, when did Casper come out? I think it was After 1995. That, she's a 95. Okay, that makes yeah. sense then, yeah. Maybe she was 15 because in Casper she says I'm 15. <laughs> well, and you know actors and actresses can't lie about their age. Nope. It's a law. <laughs> I'm just guessing. I mean, it would be weird. Okay. I think the other cool thing, or Joe and I were pointing out, and it was weird Easter egginess, was the books. Well, not even Easter eggs, just cool, like, details. Cool, cool details of the movie. Um, when the cuckoo clock goes off on the wall, oh, yeah. uh, it shows Wednesday, like little action figure Wednesday, hanging little action figure Pugsley. Like she pulls down. Oh no, oh, no. it's the other way it's, around. Yeah, Pugsley's okay. hanging Wednesday. So when the dong goes off, Pugsley pulls a string and Wednesday gets hung. And then all the books. Yeah. So like, what was the first? Well, uh, it was Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Uh, so when you opened it, like it just blew wind. But just when you open the books in the library, they did things. Did stuff, yeah. 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 But then even like other books, though, like the grandma was like reading Grey's Anatomy, which was weird. But I think it was supposed to be not Grey's Anatomy. It was well, like Grey well, Anatomy. Yes. But also <laughs> Grey's Anatomy is a book. Yeah. It's not like a fiction book. Oh. But that's what the show title Grey Anat- Grey's Anatomy is referencing. I don't know. She was reading it while she was cooking. Yeah, she was she, she was trying to figure out what parts could be cooked. Yes, is what she was doing. I thought that was really weird. Well, literally everything they ate in the movie was moving. All in all, it's a good movie. Yeah. All in all, it's a good movie. It it's a, a good, good movie. movie. That's good. I think I might need to watch Family Values next though, because I really think that one's my favorite. I mean, I think we should watch Hook next. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, 
Thanks for joining us this week. It's been What Kind of Monster Are You? Special Cash Rec Edition. Uh, When we don't do it normal, I don't know what to have. Who's the monster? That's not a thing we do for this one. Nope. Right? No monster? Monster. The monster could be... Oh, uh, focus groups are the monster this week. They're going to be taking care of social media. (laughs) (laughs) Although I guess they're not. I guess the Mamushka is the monster this week. It'll be taking care of social media. Damn it, (laughs) Mamushka. If you like us, find us on your social media pages and click those buttons. And subscribe, maybe. Why don't you? Yeah, I think people still do that. Thanks, Throckmorton, for the use of our theme song. Oh, yes. And now it's time for... Facebook. Oh, wait, he's not here. Oh, crap. (laughs) Um, Okay, bye. 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 Oh, that's fantastic. Well done.